You're listening to Financial Insights, a podcast that helps investors through the difficult maze of financial planning and saving for retirement. I'm Brian Ullman, and I'm a financial advisor and certified financial planner at Ford Financial Group. And together with some guests and other advisors at my firm, we're talking about the issues and questions relating to finance that face our clients every day. Thanks for tuning in for another special episode. Steve and I sit down again this week uh, for, you know, usually we publish this on Mondays, but with as, as crazy as markets have been uh, and with the drop in oil prices and the declaration from the WHO uh, that the coronavirus is now deemed a pandemic, uh, Steve and I thought we'd sit down and chat about this some more so we can bring some perspective to what's going on. Uh, markets have been particularly wild. But when things are at its most frenzied, panic is when it's time to remain the most calm. And so uh, Steve and I will talk about kind of what's going on here uh, really in the background and try and add a little bit of perspective um, on what we think is, is obviously a pretty volatile situation. So stay tuned and we'll dig right in. everybody. Thanks for joining us again on the Financial Insights Podcast. I'm joined by Steve Jolly, uh, accredited investment fiduciary here in our office and one of my favorite advisors here. And we are talking again about coronavirus. In fact, the last episode we did was on coronavirus, wasn't it? Yeah, it sure was. Um, So that means we're coronavirus experts now (laughs) because we are... um, Focusing our podcast on that, right? Yeah, it sure seems that way. I think we're all becoming... uh, um, infectious disease uh, specialist. Yeah, we right. Work our way through this. <laughs> no. Um, so, so we're, we're going to um, kind of timestamp this recording here. It's Tuesday, Mar- the morning of Tuesday, March 10th. The Dow has gone, is up 100, almost 150 points as we record this and is at 24,000, almost exactly. Um, we are recording it more importantly, though, after a day where we had the largest point drop in Dow history. Um, we were talking just before we started recording about how talking in Dow points is not the most perfect way to explain what's going on, but sometimes it's the most understandable, right, Steve? Yeah. And, you know, one of the concerns when we talk about the Dow is because we were, you know, so high, 29,000 and change at one point that, you know, a thousand point move isn't what it used to be. Right. But boy, yesterday you talk about, you know, 2000 points. Um, that's, real it was you know we're getting for one the dow is shrinking so you know a thousand points start to add up and yesterday was over seven percent so that's a move i don't care how many points seven percent whatever however you choose to measure yesterday was a bloodbath it was and And, you know what i um we talked a little bit about this in the last podcast but the conditions were somewhat ripe um for an unexpected event to come along and kind of rattle everybody and bring risk and fear back into the market. Um, we've had a great recovery since the, 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 the great recession of 08, 09. And the longer things go on, the more accommodative the Fed was, lower interest rates. Everybody was piled into equities and it was risk was almost forgotten about. Well, the market was priced for perfection. Um, you know, stocks trade on a multiple of earnings. And so for the S&P 500, something, I think we talked about this last time, somewhere between 15 and 16 times earnings is where the S&P historically lives. You get north of 18, it's a bit expensive, but we kind of could accept that because yields were so low and it's the old Tina trade, there is no alternative. But once we were pushing north of 20 times earnings, the market was priced for perfection and nothing is perfect. 
So we expected a bit of a um, repricing, but nothing like this. And and also nothing. Uh, it's we have a saying in in Wall Street or in in our vernacular in our our industry about black swan. Um, that's you know we're all used to swan. They're white. We see them all the time. But occasionally, nature throws a curve, and there'll be a black swan. You never know when you're going to see one or if it's going to come around, and it's a rare event that nobody sees coming. And you could certainly argue because we were priced for perfection, lo and behold, um, the coronavirus reared its head, and it was a black swan. Nobody understood, you know, what was going to shake the market. And coronavirus had been out there for a couple months. Um, It was a China thing. Malcolm Gladwell had a book called The Tipping Point. And for some reason, Monday, February 24th, the markets awoke and, and hit that tipping point. Well, because and I think everybody had been lulled into this um, sense of security, maybe false sense of security. I don't know. I mean, it was what, eight weeks ago that everybody was joking about World War Three with Iran. Yeah, that feels like a lifetime ago. Markets didn't really react. Coronavirus was in January. We hit highs a month later. Coronavirus showed up in January. We hit highs a month later in mid to late February. Um, so it's almost like markets knew about coronavirus and blew it off to begin with. And so that's that can lead or does lead, I suppose, to um, things getting missed if you if it feels like something's priced into the market, but then suddenly you realize it's not. Correct. Um, so let's talk black swan stuff. Um, really, it seems like or feels like we've had two black swans, or yesterday were the res- result of two black swans. We've got the coronavirus then and oil prices. Do you want to talk about, um, let's start with, oil prices and what went down. Yeah. So, um, Saudi Arabia, well, they had an OPEC meeting, um, over the weekend and they didn't play nice. Um, Russia decided not to go along. They wanted to cut production. Yeah. Russia's not part of OPEC. They're part of OPEC plus, I guess. OPEC plus. Right. But they are a major producer of oil. No doubt. Um, and they've played nice with the Saudis up until this point. Yes. And finally, I think it's a good old fashioned, um, war for customers. They're trying to gain market share, and Saudi Arabia said, "All right, you want to you want to play? Let's play." And they are pumping as much as they can. And the effect of that was to cause oil, which was already you know we had been hovering in the fifties for quite a while now, a few years, yep. and then it had drifted into the forties. And I think uh, over the weekend it closed somewhere around forty two dollars a barrel. And lo and behold, Monday morning it uh, began trading, you know, at thirty. Yeah, and um, futures on Sunday drop. were still well. Were already get yeah. yeah. I mean, the the writing was on the wall with what was going to happen on Monday at the open, and it's interesting. We so we've been through a little. I don't know if we've been through this before, but we have seen the Saudis engage in competitive pricing. You know, if you think about it, this, OPEC is rigged pricing, right? For oil, yeah. essentially, um, it's everybody working together as a cartel, literally. Uh, to keep prices at a certain threshold, so these companies, so these countries can sell oil and support themselves. Um, and in 2014, there was quite a bit of disruption because U.S. oil producers were starting to really become uh, a force to be reckoned with globally. Uh, you know, we never even exported oil until here just very recently, um, and so the Saudis. Uh, engaged in a price war with U.S. producers to try and squeeze them out, and now they're doing something similar with uh, with Russia. the the way we, the way these you can think about this is think about Nike wanting to squeeze 
I don't know, Reebok Converse, out of business, yeah. Converse, right? And so what they do is they say, we're going to take our $200 Air Jordans and we're going to sell them for 50 bucks. No one is going to buy any more Reeboks. They'll all buy these shoes because they're better, they're cheaper, and we can afford to feel the pain longer than Reebok can. And after a while, they'll just be squeezed out and crushed altogether. And then they can raise their prices back up. Correct. So if you think about the shoe analogy, that's kind of what's going on with oil, um, which is part of what this black swan thing, this doesn't feel, this feels like it's longer lasting, doesn't it? Yeah. It was the second shoe to drop. <laughs> right. <Pardon the> pun. <laughs> but um, this was a second black swan that came along after the initial black swan of the, of the COVID virus. And it was a, mar- a market that was already vulnerable. And then the oil um, situation that we just described hit. Now, the coronavirus to me felt more like an event that uh, I, no offense to, you know, the, the folks that lost their lives on 9-11, which was almost 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, it's hard to imagine. But if you recall, if you were around back then, the world somewhat came to a stop. You know, uh, people didn't go to school. They didn't go to church. They, well, maybe they went to church, but they uh, didn't go to work and the world just stopped for two or three weeks. Nobody's flying. Nobody's, Nobody's going anywhere. Literally, all the planes were grounded. So Bush, yeah. Bush's uh, uh, instructions to everybody was to go, you know, show the terrorists what's up by going out and living your yeah. lives and proving to them that you're not fearful and stuff. And it took a while, but eventually, you know, the kids do go to school and you do go to work and you do go to the grocery store and, life got somewhat back to normal. So in that sense, it was more of an event that was started and then it was over. And for me, the uh, coronavirus feels a bit like that. At some point, it will be over with. I'm, don't get me wrong. They're canceling tons of events and, um, you know, industries are being hurt, you know, cruise, airline, travel, hotel, etc. But you can see how we would rebound. You can see how we can rebound at some point. Yeah. With the oil situation, the second black swan, that to me it feels like a more systemic issue in that it won't be over quickly. Um, our shale industry uh, can't produce at the same low cost that Saudis or Russians can. Right. And so some of the exploration and production companies, you know, think of North Dakota, et cetera, folks out there wildcatting it, you know, just yep. digging for wells. Well, it costs money to do that. There's a lot of bonds that have been issued to pay for that. And a lot of that's predicated on a higher price per barrel of oil. And some of those companies aren't going to make it, but that doesn't happen overnight. It takes some time um, for companies to actually, you know, for, for it to come to fruition. And I think, uh, that may go on a little bit longer and, and cause more longer-term economic damage now that oil is such a big part of our GDP. Yeah, and there are there are a few factors at play here, right? And so you have these companies, they're investing money to go for oil. They are employing people. And a lot of how this got done was actually issuing bonds at a high interest rate because they, are, they weren't totally creditworthy. And so they have these kind of junk bonds or high yield bonds mm-hmm. or however you want to describe them. So this is this is more layered, right? Than people just staying home, not buying things. And when the coast is clear, they come back out and they resume buying things. Um, the fallout and the, the duration and the shape of the fallout from this is pretty opaque at this early stage at the very least. Correct. You know? Correct. And then in addition to the hardship that that's going to cause in a lot of communities in that industry, 
you also have to wonder where a lot of these junk bonds, lower quality bonds, where are they? You know, whose portfolio are they in? Right. Um, is it going to cause a, a, a system problem as defaults mount? And in this world where interest rates were so low for so long and continue to be low, there was a search for yield. Mm-hmm. You know, folks needed to find income. Yeah, I mean, and so treasuries have been, so <laughs> yeah, earning nil. I mean, uh, less than inflation, certainly. Right. And so people stretch perhaps and, and may have too much of, of these bonds related to, you know, the higher risk energy companies. And I'm not talking about Chevron, Exxon, yeah. um, although they'll feel the pain, of course. Of course. You know, they're swimming in the same pool. But I'm, we're talking about, you know, the more high levered uh, exploration and production companies. And, yep. and so what Wall Street sometimes worried about it, you start extrapolating and you think, oh, they're all going to go bankrupt. And, and yes, it right. really causes a, sh- a more of a longer term shock to the system. Well, it, it, you know, you talk about it's like it's almost like averages. We talked about, you know, with average S&P, you know, P.E. forward earning ratio. The, it's never average. It's either above average or below average, right? The market swings up and the market swings below because average is in between the swings. It's we're never just you don't ever revert to the mean in the middle of everything. Right? And my my joke there is um, we're recording, of course, from Fresno, California, and, and uh, the Chamber of Commerce will tell you, hey, the average temperature here is seventy two degrees. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's just going to be one hundred and fifteen or uh, or thirty or thirty. <laughs> but on average, yeah, you're going right. to be very comfortable. That there. is a that is a great analogy to draw. <laughs> this um you know it's it's tough there it's not it's not all bad though you know let let's paint a fuller picture here right because there's a benefit of lower oil yeah and and there's some there are some concrete things going on here so uh everybody's gonna be paying less at the pump i drive a gas guzzler and i do the truck too so that's gonna help us for sure and i think a lot of people like you know i drive a big suv because i've got car seats and dogs and things like that and that so and I'm not the only one. There are a lot of people like that. So this helps families to a degree. You know, if you're spending $200 less a month on gas, that finds its way through economically. That's more um, money to spend at Applebee's. Um, exactly. More exactly. money to spend at Costco. Toilet paper and water, I hear. We have, yeah, we don't. <laughs> it's not that kind of virus, everybody. Um, the, uh, and there, the Federal Reserve has lowered interest rates by half a percent. Correct. And there's a real expectation that they're going to go even further um, down on rates and maybe even start buying bonds. Um, the administration is floating out uh, payroll tax cuts and some other sick leave policies to help deal with the coronavirus that doesn't address the the oil thing. But all of this speaks to um, efforts being taken, not just in the U.S., but even around the world, to try and thwart some global recession. And I think I think that's very important to remember as we try to look past this dark chasm to the other side and say, cause it's, it's always darkest before yep. the dawn. And it's real hard right now to say, wow, where's this going to end? Yeah. Or how is it going to end? Well, every action has a reaction yep. and we are just starting, or we haven't even really start to see the, the, the results or the, the benefit of some of the things that you just started to yeah. describe. But at some point on the other side, actions will be taken Markets have adjusted, and and eventually, we'll see a recovery. We move on the other side. Yeah, yeah. The, I, I will say this also that the the patient wasn't that sick. The economy wasn't. The economy was actually doing pretty darn well before it caught the coronavirus. Correct. Right. So, um, 
having going in with a healthier economy to shocks to the system like this will help us ultimately. Maybe if we do run into recession, maybe it's a little bit more shallow and brief, certainly than 2008 and hopefully even more than 2001. Um, diversification is working right now, right? right? That's helping everybody out quite a bit. So um, unlike 08, 09, where it was just, you know, a lot of folks just said, get me out of everything. This time people are that are exiting the equity market stocks are finding their way into the safety or comfort of bonds. And yep. so we've seen bonds rally as equities have come down. And so that's even have, different than late 2018. Correct. Fourth quarter 2018, correct. nothing was working either. But now correct. diversification mercifully is, and, is taking hold. You know, at Ford Financial, you know, uh, we preach that, you know, diversification, asset allocation. We, uh, you hear it every Easter. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. And these are the reasons why, or this is the time where asset allocation and diversification really earns its stripes. Absolutely. Well, um, as we've been talking, the if we're still talking in Dow points, we went, what was it, 150 when we started? Is right that what around I said? there. Yeah, okay, now we're at 400. Oh, hey, it's over. So, hey, <laughs> no, but it speaks to how quickly things are moving. They are um, and if, in a world market. In a world where everything is sped up, including market corrections, market recoveries can happen just as fast also. I, so I will, I, not that we are predicting that that's going to happen, but you need to leave open the, uh, the possibility of good things as well, not just bad things going on here. And, and we are not in the prediction business, but um, suffice it to say, I think we're in the preparedness business. And by that, going back to asset allocation, um, I've said this before, but Noah didn't build his ark after it started to rain. Right. And we build your portfolios before markets correct. Yep, exactly right. And it's based on people's plans and their tolerance for risk and their investment objectives. Personalized portfolio construction. Exactly. Well, let's leave it there. Uh, If you have questions, you can email us at info at FordFG.com. I'd encourage you to subscribe to the podcast so you can get more content like this. Uh, You can also visit us on our website at www.fordfg.com. Do I need to say the W's before the website anymore? I kind of don't think so. Um, Okay, Boomer. Uh, Yes, I'm aging myself. (laughs) So fordfg.com, you know what the the World Wide Web is. Um, So we'll leave it there. We'll leave some some time for some disclosures. Um, Also, I'd encourage you... Uh, if you find us on Facebook, you can also ask questions on there that we can then address on our podcast as well. So we'd like to do that for you. So uh, thanks for listening. Uh, stick around for some disclosures and we'll catch you next time. The advisors with Ford Financial Group are registered representatives with and securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment advice is offered through Ford Financial Group, a registered investment advisor and a separate entity from LPL. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Stock investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. The economic forecasts set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted. Ford Financial Group and LPL Financial do not provide tax or legal advice or services. 
This information is not intended as a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security referred to herein.